one of the benefits of modern society and medicine is that we're living much longer than we have before. And that's a good thing. But as we've seen either through the recent recommendations and findings from the Aged Care Royal Commission, or even just our own experience and looking after the people we care about, is that the current system is broken. And we need a circuit breaker to help allow people to stay in their own homes for as long as they can. Well, with me today is John Perkins, CEO and founder of Checked In Care. And in this episode, we're going to talk about the role of technology in helping take the pressure off the aged care system, new models of care to ease the burden on patients, the workforce and carers, and a lot more too. Collaboration starts with a conversation, Team Health Tech. Let's make it happen. Welcome to Talking Health Tech, a podcast and membership community about technology in healthcare. Here's your host, Peter Birch. With me today is John Perkins, CEO and founder of Checked In Care, a market-leading customer and staff experience platform that integrates everything you need to know to enable the best care for someone in their home. John, how are you going? Yeah, great, Pete. Thanks for having me on the show. Love having you here. Thank you. It's been a while since we spoke at the Summer Summit. You were participating on a panel there, so that was great to have you in that one, but it's good now to be able to take a bit of a deep dive into what you're doing at Checked In Care. For those that don't know about you, tell us about you and your background. Yeah, thanks, Pete. Well, I've been in the care sector for about 30 years. I've always been a tech guy, and my real passion for the care sector actually started when my great aunt went in a care facility more than 30 years ago. And I still remember visiting her and thinking, you're kidding, aren't you? You spend a full life and you end up in one of these facilities living like this. And so that sort of started off the journey. And I've been fortunate that being a tech guy, I've started a few companies that have all been successful, Touchwood. And over the years, I you know, had a few companies, .com were in the late 90s that went successful, sold that in 2000, started up a company, a few mates in 2002 called Ethan Group. Ethan Group's now Australia's largest privately owned IT company. We turn over about uh, 200 mil a year. But I resigned from the board of Ethan Group to start up Checked in Care. One of the other parts of the journey to Checked in Care was in 2006, unfortunately, one of my kids called Olivia died and we started a charity called the Touched by Olivia Foundation. And an interesting side note, Pete, is we saw how technology helped cure the tumour that killed her through building up support groups and reference groups And then that information then led to coincidences that then got studied and uh, we found a cure to that tumour. But one of the key things we've done through the charity was we've raised over $30 million in the last 16 years to build inclusive playgrounds. The reason that's important to the journey is that through the inclusive playgrounds, one of the learnings was that it's not the disability that causes the inability to play. It's a lack of the design environment, meaning you could design any environment to minimise the impact of an ailment. Fast forward through to about 2014 and my dad went in a residential care facility, the same experiences all over again to what I saw with my great aunt and said, we've been talking about doing this for a while. So we start up Checked in Care in 2015. And the initial aim was twofold really to reduce depression in people that became isolated for a number of reasons, whether it was in a residential care facility or simply lost their mobility and were restricted to home. And the second thing was through the work we had done through Ethan Group, Mate, we saw all these other industries where giving clients the ability to self-service, giving everything they need in one spot, whether it's through an app or through a web portal, and giving them the ability to self-service, whether it's the client or your staff, was driving massive efficiencies in those other industries, whether it's finance, insurance, retail, etc. 
But those same systems weren't being implemented in aged care. And there's some quite good reasons because a lot of the back-end systems were legacy systems. They're very old, but we solved that problem. We solved that problem to help those back-end systems for us to bring all that information out into a single platform or a single app so that everything that a client or their family need to know about the care of an individual was in a single spot. And so that's where we started Checked in Care. And uh, yeah, it's been a great journey, Pete. We're now definitively Australia's market-leading customer experience platform for both clients and staff and really driving significant efficiencies with over about 150,000 users on the platform today. Wow. Unreal. No, look, just so much that we could go down and discuss there and what a journey to get to this point. It's, you know, and it's interesting that you, you know, mentioned the point around, you know, looking at healthcare and some of the systems and, and there and then comparing to aged care. When one would think from the outside, looking at, you know, the seemingly interconnectedness between healthcare and aged care and the need to flow on from healthcare facilities into whether it's residential or other services for people in an aged care setting. If you thought health was broken, then you've got a whole nother story looking at aged. It's a tough environment. Yeah, the aged care sector certainly uh, makes the other parts of the acute sector look sensational, mm. <laughs> to be honest. Mm. But if you look at you know, part of the reason the system's broken, Pete, and this is where technology has a major role to play, is that it's very much focused, and this came out in the Royal Commission, it's very much a transaction-based process where there's a certain fee for a certain service and the provider needs to provide that, which the acute sector does. It doesn't look at the holistic care required for an individual. So what we mean by that is the things that help a person stay in their home for as long as they want isn't just having someone to come and wash and clean them or to do their vacuuming. It's the feeling of independence. It's the feeling of confidence that they can stay in their home. So it's the fact that Friends, neighbours, people in their community, they're connected. They know those people looking out for them. They know they can call on a neighbour to drive them to the shops or call on a friend to help change a light bulb. But also those really simple components around isolation where people become isolated in their own communities. They become disconnected. So connecting people, friends, families to their community. So as an example, you see today in the aged care sector, there's an outcome, whether it's in, in the home care package around social connection. So what do they do? The provider is paid for someone to come into the house and be your friend, right? If anything, it's actually driving the opposite outcome where the only friends in your life are paid workers. So we're helping to address that by connecting family, friends and volunteers in the overall care of that individual. So essentially through our technology platform is the ability for a client to actually build out their circles of support or for their nominated support person Typically, it's the daughter that says, I'm living in a remote area. Mum, she needs additional help. The neighbours, I know keen. I know she's got some friends up the street. She used to play bridge on a Tuesday. She can't do that anymore because she's lost a licence. Let me help reconnect her to those people and doing that through technology. And so that's what we've been delivering through our home care solution at the moment for care providers. And what's that enabling is that Today, most of the workforce delivery is delivered by care providers, staff only, whereas the real outcomes aren't just the staff, the provider, it's what how family, friends and neighbours can be seen as one holistic care model so that the provider can see all the people that are in a person's life and then highlight, you know, really focus on those people that don't have anyone, don't have any friends, family, neighbours, volunteers that are popping in for a cup of tea or driving to the shops or driving to bingo, driving to the club on Sunday or even the church on the weekend. 
I think you started to answer my next question that came to mind, which is totally on board in terms of, you know, the need for someone to maintain connection and technology plays a big role there, but you know, everyone can pick up the phone and everyone can do even do a FaceTime call or whatever. Now, what's that gap that's being filled there with a platform like checked in care. But I think you kind of started to touch on it there in terms of giving that visibility for those to kind of pick up those that might be falling through the cracks. As many of the listeners will be aware of, workforce is an enormous issue in the health sector and even more so in the aged care sector. Um, I know we've got major challenge in the acute sector, but in aged care, it's even more so the case. But we use the expression that workforce is everywhere because some of the most invested people in the workforce are the friends, family, neighbours that are really looking out for those outcomes to help a person stay in the home. So therefore, through technology is giving those people the ability to actually help their senior navigate the system and to set up those additional services that the senior may not be able to do because one, yeah, they simply were not brought up in the age of technology, although that is rapidly changing in terms of more and more seniors using the internet and using apps. But the key component there, Pete, is really giving their family or their supported decision makers the ability to build those support networks. And we've got quite an exciting program that we're doing with community groups through a program called Community Circles Australia, where providers are training up staff to be what's called community facilitators. And in other areas where seniors don't have a home care package, is giving the ability for local governments to train up a community facilitator through charity groups such as Touch by Lever Foundation. What that facilitator does, Pete, is actually stitches together the intentional supports so where that neighbor has been sitting there saying hey can I help and the, the client or the senior says oh I don't want to be a bother everything's okay the typical Aussie statement she's all right mate the community facilitator is the one that actually taps the neighbor on the shoulder and says hey look Bill next door does need some help how about you drop in every Tuesday for a cup of tea because he's lonely or to the friend up the street that they used to walk with hey Bill still wants to go for a walk at least once a week how about we lock in at nine o'clock in the morning? But giving people visibility that the neighbour has dropped in, Bill has gone for a walk, someone has driven to the shops for the doctor's appointment is crucial so that you can see that those activities are occurring. Yeah. I want to come back to the community circles model in a, in a tick too, because I love the sounds of that. But I want to understand this issue a bit more when it comes to the importance of people staying in their home for as long as possible. Because I know in Australia, there's, I'm not fully across the data. I'd love to hear a bit more from your perspective. And, you know, there was the Royal Commission, as you said, but a lot of people spend time in aged care facilities, like you say, and I'm not sure it's where we want to be. I'd even go as far, Pete, to say it's a national disgrace that Australia has the highest level of institutionalisation of seniors in the Western or in the world. So the number of people in aged care facilities per capita is the highest in Australia to what it is anywhere else in the world. Just let that sink in the highest level institutionalisation of seniors. It's a disgrace. And why is that? Well, largely the model's wrong. Yeah, it's broken. How do we help that? Well, obviously the federal government at the moment is trying to increase home care packages. The whole aim of the home care packages is to keep people in the home. I have not ever met a single person who's actually said, I want to go into a residential care facility. Everybody says, oh, I want to die in my home, I want to stay in my home for as long as I can. The last place I ever want to go is to in a residential care facility. And the reason that people do is because they feel that they can't support themselves in their own home. Sometimes that's loneliness. Sometimes that's lack of connectedness. Sometimes that's a feeling that they'll have a fall and no one will ever find them. 
Sometimes it is simply those other paid supports that help. But those first few items I mentioned are all non-paid supports. They're things that friends, family, neighbours and technology can help do. So one of the very simple things we've built into our technology is the ability to what we call the proof of life. So as soon as the senior picks up their phone and starts using it each day, it says, hey, that person's yeah, up right. about their daily routine. If on a certain day that doesn't happen, we'll then send an alert to nominate people in those support circles to say an inactive alert, check in on Bill, because every day he picks his phone up and today he hasn't, hasn't used it, just check in on Bill. And if Bill has given you his consent, you can also check his last known location. So certain protocols built in to be able to say, well, there's an inactive alert, his last known location is in his home, so therefore that raises up the flagpole a bit higher in terms of a critical item, so let's get the neighbour send that alert to the neighbor to go knock on the door to see how Bill's going. I think of my own experience with my own dad, who's since passed, but similar situation, different state to me. And you tell him to put something into an app and he's not going to do it. But so that's the, And he'll choose not to deliberately because you told him to. And it's also not like you say, you know, some people are driven and motivated by having connection and all people around him. And just that wasn't his thing. But in the end, it was a super stubborn bloke that wanted to stay in his home for as long as possible because he was being independent. And the only way to know whether something was wrong was that if the neighbor popped by and remembered to do that, chances are he'd probably fallen over and no one had known for a couple of hours. Like, I think that's such an important role that tech plays in just working behind the scenes to be able to like nudge along and not rely on people constantly inputting stuff because that's not going to work. Yeah. So just imagine then with your dad, Pete, if you had the ability that when the neighbor popped in to see how your dad was, or if you had a doctor's appointment once a week and someone drove him to the doctor's appointment. Or he had someone to go for a walk with him. And when they noticed a deterioration, they would enter that into the app, right? And when he had a paid worker come in to see him, whether it was the gardener or a paid worker, you could actually get a rating that that person had visited. And if your dad was using the platform, could rate that service. But if he wasn't, you would simply have the visibility of those things that were happening and visibility of the neighbor saying, look, I just popped in to have a cup of tea with your dad. He's actually looking a bit down today. So suggest you check in. So they're the things that really help give that more eyes and ears on that individual. And at the end of the day, Pete, it's about the senior feeling confident to stay in their home for as long as they can and giving them those social support networks. And I think so. it's not just the senior having the confidence because my dad would have all the confidence <laughs> in the world about staying in his home. Maybe it would probably kill him. But yeah, no, bang on. I mean, I had a mix of phone calls, Facebook messages, emails, and just conversations that just to be able to tie everything together and prompt people along. I don't even know what half of the providers were. So the problem that you're describing, it's bang on in terms of I'm not alone. Everyone has experienced this at some point or will. And the fact it's so prevalent in Australia, it can be disturbing at times. So there's a real importance then that we've got a lot of this care and services and I guess the technology too needs to focus around the needs of the person. Is that right? Is that kind of what we're doing now? That's correct. Yes. Certainly that came out in the Royal Commission as well was that the care model needs to be focused more around the person rather than the needs of the provider. And a classic example is you know, a person will have a gardener coming to see them every Tuesday afternoon, been coming for the last 10 years, they're a good friend stop for a cup of tea and maybe that person's only social interaction for the week but then a provider comes along and says oh look that garden is not on our books so you can't use them anymore or you know your key outing of the week is your bridge club on a Thursday afternoon that your neighbor takes to but they say well the only time that we have available for a care worker to come and shower you is on a Thursday so unfortunately today 
it's been more provider-led based on the needs of the provider and the ability of the provider rather than looking at the person. And this is where our technology is helping fundamentally change that because the person is building out or their family are building out what's important to them and building out what's important in their life, what the key events each week that gives them a happy week and then making sure that the provider fits around that, not the client fits around the provider. How do you make the provider fit around that? Like that makes sense to me, but it's, I would love us for us to get to that point. How do you get the buy-in and engagement from the providers to participate? Is it because they've got that full visibility now that they can see the impact on the gravitas? Yeah. If the client is tech savvy, if they're not, the family's tech savvy, or where with the community circles model, we have a facilitator enabling this for them is by simply giving the ability for the client to self-navigate, putting that power into the hands of the consumer so they know what the options are and build out their own support plan. They build out what's important to them. And from that becomes, okay, well, therefore, and what they do is it's called the about me profile. But what that is, Pete, they build out the things that are important to them, what a good day and a good week looks like. And that might be each day someone comes to visit each week, they go to bingo on a Tuesday and the club on a Friday, and that's their good week. And by knowing that, when an assessor comes in to assess them or when the care provider does a care plan, giving them the ability that if care provider isn't mapping what they want, then giving them the ability and the confidence they can go talk to someone else. So through technology, it's putting more power back in the hands of the consumer, giving them more options because it's allowing them to see what all those options are. Love it. Tied it back into the community circles model there, and potentially there'd be people from the community helping bring it together. I think that's really important. You know, doing it in Australia is a good place to do. I think a lot of Australian neighbours and people want to help. And that's just what happens. And like I mentioned before, everyone's probably had an experience at some point, whether it's for their own family or someone in their street or the neighbourhood, you, you get called on a lot to be able to help and support because that's what you do. So it sounds like then it's about providing that next level of support with them to help them do that properly. Yeah, the way that the Community Circles uh, Australia model evolved was that I talked a little bit about Touch by Livery Foundation. And as we built these 44 playgrounds around Australia, we built them in local communities. So we partnered with local government bodies or councils. And then after these playgrounds were built, the volunteers that came together to help fundraise and do the community consultations actually you know, were members of the community. They stayed in the community. So we then built up this de facto group of volunteers in every of these 44 different local government areas. Fast forward to COVID. And when COVID hit, we had councils ringing us saying, look, I've just been called by a daughter in Brisbane. She's in tears about her mum in Sydney because her mum's got nothing in the fridge. She's not going out. She's too scared to go out the door because of COVID. We know you've got some volunteers locally can you do something to help? So we were ringing around volunteers, coordinating volunteers to deliver food. And just in my local area, as an example, we were delivering 200 boxes of food per week to people in, that, in those sort of scenarios. But it was very manually intensive. And so we knew about this community circles model in the UK. We brought that model to Australia. So we got 10 years of learning. We got their research, all their training materials, what works, what doesn't work. And we've customized that to the Australian conditions, mapping it to providers so they have full visibility of what's happening in the person's life. And the quid pro quo is that to Community Circles UK, we're building the technology and we're giving them the technology for free to Community Circles UK. But Pete, they've had phenomenal over the last 10 years results. Yeah, they've done a lot of research on the Community Circles model and, they, and the research shows you know, there's figures like 87% of all clients report increased confidence in living independently. 76% of clients report feeling less lonely. 79% report improved mental well-being. But also for volunteers, figures like 92% of all volunteers report in improved mental well-being and 80% represent or talk about the fact they're more connected to their community. So 
quite phenomenal results. But at the end of the day, what it's doing is, yeah, community circles model is we're putting, or the charity is putting facilitators into government areas. They're also training up provider staff to be community facilitators. And essentially what those facilitators are, are the connection between the resources that are available in the local community and the needs of a senior. Because quite often the senior or the family members are too shy or simply don't want to be a bother. And so they're intentionally stitching together the support that's required. And that's always been the missing element in these models is the actual person on the ground that's helping build those informal support networks. And through our technology is giving everyone visibility of what's possible. That last part about the people on the ground are going to be necessary, whatever the technology, the role the technology plays is pulling together and and keeping the visibility there and helping get the right people to the right spot. So I think that's so good. And it's remarkable how you can best utilize some, you know, from the Touch by Olivia Foundation, bring it into some of this as well. It all ties in so nicely and and the sense of community that that's wonderful. Look, we talked about healthcare and aged care, but technology's changed every industry and there's probably a lot for us to learn from there. You've been in the technology game for a while. Have you seen other industries, anything we can learn from those spaces to apply back to, say, the aged care space? Yeah, Pete, absolutely. If you look at almost any other industry out there, as soon as you give the consumer more choice and more power, the technologies that have enabled that have fundamentally changed those industries. Yeah, and I mean, just look at Netflix as an example. You had HBO and people thought HBO was giving great choice, but HBO was actually saying, well, you watch these programs on these days and we're going to release on this date, whereas Netflix came along and said, well, actually, you can choose to watch when you like, what you like, and how you like it on what device. And that just fundamentally changed that industry. And there's examples in just about every single industry out there. So, And care industry is even more dominant in that requirement to help the client have the power to have their choice and have their own dignity of choice. So that's what we're delivering. We're looking to scale that. And uh, hopefully over the coming years, you'll hear more and more about these uh, the power to the consumer. Then looking lastly, thinking about checked in care and what you're doing there. What now? Like we're coming out of COVID and people can see each other a bit more. What's on the horizon for checked in care? Yeah, Pete, it's quite exciting times. Um, our business has actually doubled in the last four months. So it shows you that the customer experience platform and the, the requirements we're talking about here, you know, it's, it's something that people need and they really understand the, the importance and the need for it. But really what we see happening is you know, our vision for the company, which is the same for the Touch by Olivia Foundation, is a world where all people live their best lives with choice and dignity. And we quite often get told, geez, that's a weird vision for a tech company. But we actually see that starting to come into fruition and become a reality because we're helping people build their own independence, build their own self-confidence, build their own ability to stay in their own home. But doing that with giving them the ability to have more choice and have dignity, meaning they're making the choice on their behalf and they're getting more control over life and technology being the underpinning part of that. Now, as part of that, that ties totally in line with the new Aged Care and Disability Royal Commission recommendations and also for the new Support at Home framework in Aged Care. We're in the process of expanding overseas, got some good work happening in New Zealand and the process expanding into the UK through community circles model and then into the North American market. So we're seeing phenomenal growth, but our real passion is really enabling all people to live the best lives of choice and dignity. We're starting to see that become a reality, not just in Australia, but globally. So some very exciting times ahead. 
Wow. Yeah, busy times. But geez, this resonates with me so much, John. You're doing wonderful things and I'm remarkably grateful for having this time with you today. I'll put some details in the show notes of this episode for people to check out in their own time and look at Checked In Care, Touched by Olivia Foundation, some of the information about community circles, models, and lots more in there as well. There's obviously the listing on the Talking Health Tech directory website as well for people to check out and we'll keep in touch in the community. Thank you, John, for everything you're doing for making the time today. Thanks, Pete. Much appreciated. Thanks for listening to Talking Health Tech. Make sure you subscribe on your favorite podcast player and for more information, visit TalkingHealthTech.com.